Well, isn't that an incredible story of breakthrough? You know, there are so many, many stories of God at work across this church family all the time, and I, I think sometimes we just don't know. And I think it's such a blessing and a privilege for us to be able to witness and share in what God is doing in these stories during this season. Uh, but I also want to just let you know, if God has done something in your life, if you're looking for a way to share and honor God, we would love to hear the stories that you have. Uh, maybe God might want to use them to encourage someone else. Uh, we hope that you'll just let us know you can share those with us. Well, I want to welcome you, uh, welcome you to week number four of Breakthrough. And next week, week five, is Commitment Sunday, and you're going to be receiving at the end of today's service a commitment card as you make your way out. And so today, what I want to do in our time of studying God's Word is help you in your making of commitments, kind of walk, walking you through, helping you think through how we make commitments. And I want to say this. Uh, you can just write this down. It's not on your notes anywhere, but it's an important truth. Genuine commitments always call us to sacrifice. Genuine commitments always call us to sacrifice. And when we sacrifice, and maybe you have noticed this in your own personal experience, when we sacrifice, God often brings spiritual breakthrough in our lives. We grow. We, we take steps forward in spiritual maturity. We break through. One of our theme passages for this breakthrough season is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I want us to read these two verses out loud together. Would you just join me as we read God's word? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know what you may be hoping for in this season of breakthrough, what you may be praying about and looking forward to happening in your life, but I want to tell you today, God is able. God is able. And that is the message today. We believe here at Southwinds that God wants to work in our lives in ways greater than we can ask or we can even imagine. And we want God through our lives to receive glory, not just now, but out on into the future, not just today, but throughout all generations, even forever and ever. Amen. But here's the way God works. God works, but God always invites us into the process. And we have a tendency to say, God, I need you to work, and I, I've asked you to do it, so now I'm just going to kind of sit back and watch, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to trust that you're going to work. And God says, I'm going to work, but I'm calling you to join me in the process. Have you noticed that? We studied this book of Joshua last year, and you may remember that we looked at that very famous account of the Israelite army marching around the walls of Jericho seven times in seven days until the walls fall down. And we're going to end our message today at Jericho, at the walls. We're going to see how God miraculously gave his people their first victory as they entered the promised land. But here's what happens in Joshua 6. God comes to Joshua and he says, I'm giving you the city, Joshua. In fact, I've already given you the city. I already promised it to Moses. I'm promising it again to you. I will give you the city, but here's what you need to do. 
Organize the people. Tell the priests to get the Ark of the Covenant and then make one lap with the army behind, one lap around the city on the first day. And then on the second day, make another lap. And on the third day, another one. And then the fourth and the fifth and the sixth day. Different plan on the seventh day. But you're going to act and you're going to move. And I want you to not miss what God did. God said to Joshua, I am giving you the city, but now here's what you need to do. And I noticed that it got kind of quiet right now. You know, when I said God is able, we were like breaking out in some revival. <laughs> but when I say, here's what you need to do, we're not sure how to respond. It's like, oh, well, no, Lord, we, we, want, we want you to do it. We know you can do it. You're the God of breakthrough, and we need you to break through. We need you to make a way. We need you to tear down walls. We need you to part the sea. We need you to do it. And God says, I'm going to do it. But here's what you need to do. I am calling you to join me in the process. Do you understand that God is at work around you all the time? And sometimes... We know he is at work, and sometimes we don't see him at work. I mean, who knows how many times this week that angels have stepped into our story. We don't always know God is at work, but he is always at work all around us, and God is also always inviting us into his story to join him in his work. And I want you to see today that he is calling you to join him in breakthrough. To join him in our breakthroughs. Now, we're in the midst of a breakthrough spiritual initiative. And this is a specific season in the life of our church family. We're on this journey together as a church family at Southlands. But God is wanting to bring spiritual breakthroughs to our lives all through our lives. And this is ultimately all about God. We, we hold to this core conviction of the reality of the glory of God at Southwinds. This is all about God. It's all about God's glory. The universe, the world is God's story. He's the center of the story. This church and our individual lives are all about God. But this glorious God, he has extended amazing grace to you and me. And it is not just grace to save us from hell and take us one day to heaven. It is grace to get us through Monday and grace to get us through the valley and grace to take us up the mountains. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if we believe in a great and a glorious God who has extended amazing grace to us, does it not stand to reason that we would want to respond to him with full devotion? We do not want to offer God less than what God has offered us. But the truth of the matter is, can we talk today? I mean, can we be honest with each other? Isn't that often how we approach things? We, we, we kind of say, you know, I love the, love the fact that God offers me and God gave me 100%. And we sing songs, you know, about Jesus laying down his life for me, climbing up a mountain for me, tearing down a wall for me, lighting up the darkness for me, coming after me. We just got done singing a song about how Jesus' love never fails. It never gives up. He never, he never runs out on me. How my debt is paid. And I never have to be afraid. We love that, don't we? And we say, yeah, I want to praise you, God. Thank you, God, for giving me 100%. 
But you know, God, I think now I'm going to need a whole series of messages on giving and generosity so I can maybe think about, contemplate giving you 10%. And some of us are like, 10%? What's 10%? I, I just give what works for me. I just give what seems good and convenient for me. You know, when I'm in the mood and when life is good and when I can see what you're doing, God, then, then I'll, I'll give some, God, but I, I don't know about this 100% thing. And we just love for God to be like all in for us, but we're not so sure, are we, about us being all in for God and for his kingdom. Even though 100%, doesn't it like seem to call for 100% in return? See, that is what true worship is. Worship is a life of saying, God, I want to honor you in everything, in every single way. And then understanding that that kind of worship always involves sacrifice. I want you to listen to Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. The author writes, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I I think we read these verses and we tend to think that a sacrifice of praise is just about us singing a song. I'm going to lift a sacrifice of praise. Right? I mean, we hear that. It's like, I'm I'm going to... give God praise. I'm going to make a sacrifice of praise. But I want to ask you a question. Seriously, think about it. How much sacrifice is involved in you singing a song? Honestly, how much sacrifice is involved in us uh, singing a song? And, and, And is this all that this one verse is about? And the answer has to be, must be, no, it's more than singing. And so I want us to unpack these two verses for a couple of minutes I want us to think about what a sacrifice of praise is from these two verses. There's five things I want to observe, and here's the first one. We see that a sacrifice of praise is rooted in Jesus' finished work. The author says, through Jesus, therefore. And and he's referring back to what he has written in the 12 plus chapters leading up to these verses. And he's talking about the finished work of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. Jesus defeated sin and death. He has taken us from death to life. It is his finished work. And this is how we come to Jesus. We come to church through the finished work of Jesus. But not only that, we we come to our work on Monday through the finished work of Jesus. We make our decisions in life every day through the finished work of Jesus. We live our lives day in and day out, week in and week out, through the finished work of Jesus. That's a sacrifice of praise. And don't you want to be involved in a, in a church where, where people don't just you know, come through physical doors, but they come and gather through the finished work of Jesus. You know, we're, we're enjoying our brand new building, right? I mean, it's great to be in this new space. I always come in here during the week sometimes and think, still has that new car smell. You know, and it, it's a great privilege and blessing God has given us. And we come through these doors to worship, but really what we want to do is come into this place through the finished work of Jesus, knowing that Jesus paid and paved the way for us to come so that we could experience life. And we come through those doors to offer him a sacrifice of praise. 
We do it through his finished work on the cross. Next, it says, let us continually offer to God. And this tells us a sacrifice of praise is a lifestyle, not a one-time event. Let us continually offer to God. Now, here comes our phrase, a sacrifice of praise. And the author describes a sacrifice of praise as the fruit of lips that praise his name. And so that means in any place, at any time, in any circumstance, a sacrifice of praise is going to be expressed by my words. When we say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe you're in charge, I believe you're good, God, I believe you love me, I believe you're the source, I'm trusting in you, you are working. And whenever we confess who God is in any place, at any time, that's a sacrifice of praise. And it's more of a sacrifice, isn't it? when times are hard than it is when everything is good. Next he says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for which such sacrifices God is pleased. So a sacrifice of praise is also expressed by my actions, not only words, but also the lives that we live, doing good, sharing with other people. We can move the heart of the Almighty. And the author says, with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You understand, it is a miracle that he even notices, that it's even on his radar, that little finite me can say something or do something and move the heart of Almighty God. You ever think about that? You have the power to move the heart of God, and it is all wrapped up in this word sacrifice. See, sacrifice, sometimes we think it's like an Old Testament thing, but it's not an Old Testament concept. It's not just about laws and rules. It is also next and finally a response to God's grace to move. See, God did not give Jesus because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. The sacrifice of Jesus was 1,000% grace. And that just reminds us, when we talk about sacrifice, we're not talking about law or rules or legalism. We are talking about a response of our hearts to the grace of God. I, I want to do something that reflects the beauty of what God has done for me. See, the bottom line is this. When we sacrifice, we move God's heart. When we sacrifice, we move God's heart. And I don't know about you, but I want to move God's heart. I want to offer something, something that is costly and that means it's precious to God. So that raises the question, what does that look like? What, what does a sacrifice of praise mean? How, how does that work out in our lives? And I want to show you, take you to a few stories, places in Scripture that help us understand it. There are so many that we could look at, but we'll just do a few. First of all, a sacrifice of praise happens when I sacrifice what I want so someone I don't know can experience eternity with Jesus. I sacrifice what I could have so someone I don't even know, maybe on the other side of the block or the other side of our community, maybe on the other side of the country or on the other side of the planet, so that they can know Jesus forever. And you may be like, well, what do, why do I want to do that? Well, it is because I have come to see and feel and know what God has sacrificed so that I can have an eternity with Jesus. I respond to his gift to me. Uh, there are a number of examples of this I think we could find in the Bible. I think maybe the most striking is Paul in Romans 
chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. So the apostle, he's willing to give up his eternity. So great is his love. And by contrast, what God typically calls us to do is to sacrifice some things that are temporary, some things that are material. And the question becomes, are you willing to make such a sacrifice? I mean, it just should seem right, shouldn't it, to, 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 for me to sacrifice something that I could get, maybe a new car or a vacation I've been planning, maybe a few times eating out to make some adjustments in my lifestyle, whatever it might be for, for, for me or for you. To reflect what God has done for me. And you know, this is really at the heart, this idea of sacrifice of everything we do at Southwinds. This is not just about money. In fact, I, I just want to say to us today, you're very, very tense, I can tell. So let's relax. And I'll help you relax by saying we're talking about sacrifice, and it's not just about money. Sacrifice is about everything in our lives. It includes our time, it includes our energy, as well as our resources. And, 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 and God tells us this is at the heart of serving him. It's at the core of our church. It's at the core of breakthrough, of course, but so much more. Just think about it this way. Every week, hundreds of you sacrifice your time, sacrifice your energy to serve children in kids' space, to serve teenagers in our student ministry, to serve adults in life group as you lead and, and facilitate to serve here before and during and after services on a guest service ministry team. You sacrifice time. You sacrifice energy. You, you sacrifice who you are off our campus during the week as well to serve people in our community. And of course, some of you sacrifice in the way that you give generously out of the resources God has given you. I'll give you one specific example of what I'm talking about. It happened just last Sunday. Many of you were here in the afternoon. We had our 10th annual harvest party, right? And if you were here, you know what an amazing day that that was. And I just want to stop and say thank you, really, to all of the, the hundreds of volunteers that it took, people sacrificing their day, their time, their energy, and yes, even some of their financial resources to make that day possible. I want to give you a report. We had over 4,000 people on our campus And see, this is just wrapped up in what it means to be a follower of Christ. We give of ourselves. And we do that because we want someone who may not know Jesus to come to know him. And this happens so often through our, our sacrifices. I'll give you another example of a sacrifice of praise. It happens when I sing even in the darkness. When I rejoice, even when life is hard. One example of this is in the book of Acts chapter 16. You know the story if you've read this book. It's in Philippi. Uh, Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. They're in prison at midnight. And what are they doing? Well, Acts 16.25 tells us about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They were, they were singing hymns of praise to God. How many of you think that you would be in prison, having been beaten, your arms and your feet are in stocks, and you'd be singing uh, hymns of praise to God? Don't lie, all right? 
I don't know that any of us would. I mean, maybe, maybe God would give us the grace, but this is an amazing thing. It's so totally counterintuitive to the seeing world. But it makes perfect sense to the believing world because when you are down in the bottom and everything has seemed to go the opposite of what you've planned, what you'd hoped for, I mean, what else is there to do but to cry out to the living God of heaven? And, and so they sing hymns of praise. And all the prisoners that we are told were listening, but we also see that it wasn't just the prisoners listening because apparently heaven was listening. The walls started to shake and the chains started to break. The prison door swung open and before the night was over, that jailer and his family were saved. Their eternal destinies changed, altered forever. They were baptized and it all happened because of a sacrifice of praise. Because someone was willing to praise God even when the darkness was closing in, even when life wasn't adding up, even when you couldn't make sense of your circumstances you can sing in the darkness because you're still trusting in the one who gave 100% so that you could live, so that you could live. Another glimpse of a sacrifice of praise, it happens when, third, I give even when I don't have enough. See, the, the seeing world says, says you give once you've received, but the believing world, the world of faith says you give because God is worthy. You give because God is good. And you give not out of fear, not thinking, oh no, I, I, I don't have enough. If I give this, I won't have anything left. You give sometimes saying, this is all I have. And thank God that I get to give it. Thank God that I get to give it to the one who owns everything. And I'm going to trust him that he's going to provide for me. And I'm going to have enough if I do what he tells me to do. That's the story we see in Luke chapter 21. It's in verses 1 through 4. And I love, I love these four verses because Jesus is, is paying attention. And that is a mind-boggling thought. Jesus, God, you know, running the universe. But somehow he notices things. Look what Luke writes, verse 1. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. So here's the scene. Rich people are coming, and they're dropping big gifts in, and they had a, a receptacle. Everybody walked to the front, and they put their coins in. They didn't have paper money back then, so it was metal coins they were putting in. This was a metal receptacle. If you were putting a lot of coins in, you would make a lot of noise. And some people liked to make a lot of noise. You, you understand what I'm saying here, right? And so they're dumping their bags of money in, and in this line, the rich people are dumping their bags of money in. And in, in this line, there's this elderly woman, very poor. You can tell by how she's dressed. She's a widow. And, and she comes up, and she steps up, and she gives her offering. And it's just two coins. And she is a woman who's already at a great disadvantage in the culture as a widow. And her coins, Luke says, are very small. And then he points out that they're copper, which means they're less valuable than silver or gold coins. But in spite of all that, Jesus says, I saw those coins. They weren't too small for me. I noticed both of them. I saw what they were made out of, that it was copper. And most of all, I saw the precious woman who brought them. This widow, 
I have my eye on. Jesus, he, he sees it all, and it moves Jesus' heart. He says in verse 3, I, I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. I mean, think about that. We don't know anything about what the others put in. We do know, according to God's word, whatever we invest in God's kingdom becomes our forever future in heaven. That's what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20, when he said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal and i want you to notice that phrase for yourselves jesus is promising you reward if you obey him and you trust him he says as you are generous you are storing up for yourself treasures in heaven it is becoming part of your forever future and i don't know how that works but i trust that god does and i trust that he knows that it's going to be good and so i'm going to do what he says in verse four jesus continuing he says all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on she gave even though she did not have enough. She trusted God to provide for her as she sacrificed, and her sacrifice moved the heart of Jesus. See, here's the reality. This is where we live, most of us. We want, most of the time, to just give out of our wealth. Or in other words, out of our surplus, our savings, we want to do what's comfortable we want to do what's easy but jesus is calling all of us to a spirit of sacrifice and this widow had nothing i mean no social security no medicare no husband no sons she had no one to help her all she has is god but she trusts god and she gives as god tells her to give see again you should be thinking as we're going through this season in particular, when you give to God, how much does it cost you? You know, do you, do you like do the math, calculate up what you can afford? Uh, many times not even considering sacrifice, not willing to make any adjustment in your lifestyle. Or, or do you think of your generosity as involving the sacrifice of your agenda, the sacrifice of your comforts, the sacrifice of some of your wants in order to put God first? One of the things that this story does for us is help us to understand the reality that we all come to a place like this in very different situations in life. We all have different capacities. And some of us may have deeper pockets than others. You know, maybe God has entrusted you with a measure of wealth. And that is a gift. And it is part of the blessing of God in some people's lives and the reality is for some of you you could write a check for fifty thousand dollars there are some of you here you could make a three-year commitment that has six figures in it and some of you right now hear that and you're going yeah i could do that i, I could do that right now the reality though for you is it may not impact you that deeply some of you on the other hand are hearing that and saying are you serious i mean that's more than I make in a year. And he, the thought of offering God 
what you see as a large gift is intimidating. You're thinking, I couldn't even write a check for a few hundred dollars. You know, uh, my situation is kind of week to week, and I'm barely making ends meet. Jesus is saying in this story, wherever you are, don't, don't freak out. Because true generosity is never measured by the amount you give. It's, it's really measured by the amount left over. See, when you, what, what you hold back as a cushion that, that says, I don't actually want to change my lifestyle. I, I don't really want to do without anything. Jesus instead comes and says to us, my father is looking for a spirit of sacrifice. And sacrifice happens when the numbers don't add up, but you are still trusting God to show up. Do you think about that in terms of how you live your life? The numbers aren't always going to add up. But if God calls you to do something, are you going to obey him and trust that he will show up? The writer of Hebrews, a couple chapters before where we've just been, says there's one ingredient necessary to please God, and that is faith. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is what? Impossible, Impossible to please God. So what do we bring God? I mean, I've been thinking about that, wrestling with that this week in particular. I mean, we, 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 we talk about this reality in our world. I mean, what do you get the person who has everything? How many of you have one of those people in, in your life, you know? And I'm not talking about wealth necessarily, but you know what I'm talking about. Someone in your life, it's time Christmas is coming, and you got to get them a gift like every year. And you're like, where do I give them? They have everything. You know, it's the person in your life that buys stuff for themselves, you know. And they just get what they want. And we don't know what to do. Well, if that's true in human terms, how much more true is it in spiritual terms? I mean, what do you get the God who has everything? We say, oh, God, we're going to sing you another song today. And God says, well, thank you. You know, I, I have 10,000 times 10,000 angels and all those seraphs, they're, they're holy, holy, holy in me all the time. And... Uh, you know, I have people on every continent and people in every language. I have people in every city, out in the country, everywhere around the world right now. And they are singing me worship songs. And that happens 24-7, 365. And also, God would say today, you know, I got, I got Sirius and Spotify channels devoted completely to worship. They're going on all the time. I have Bible studies meeting. I have people running on trails singing to me. I have people in their cars. I have churches that are meeting all around the world. I have songs everywhere. And we say, well, we're going to sing you another one, God. How great is our God, you know. And God, I think, is like, well, that's cool. But I am getting that song from 538,471, you know, locations around the world right now. You just feel free to join in. But does God ever say, like, I feel more like God now that you're singing to me? I mean, what do you get? The God who has everything. Do you give him church attendance or you put a, an offering in the offering bag or do you go to life group every week? I mean, what do you get the God who has everything? I want to tell you right now what he wants. I want to tell you what will move his heart. You give him your faith. You give him your trust. You put your faith on the altar and you depend on him. That's what the God who has everything wants. It's when we say, God, if you don't come through, I'm host. 
but I'm going to trust you because I'm believing you'll come through. I'm going to put my two copper coins in. If it's the last thing I've got to live on, I'm going to do what you told me to do and put what I have into the hands of a great and mighty God, and I believe, God, you will come through for me. You have promised. You have said it in your word. I'm trusting you. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven (laughs) and hear the end of this precious widow's story because I think there's something phenomenal that happens in the wake of her faith and her trust. You know, where there is no sacrifice, there's no worship. Sacrifice is faith. And so faith and trust, when they're on the altar, that's when God breaks through. That's when we see God work. That's when his power falls. And we should want that in our church. And we should want it, that across our communities. We should want it all around our world. We want it across the earth. But I'm telling you, it has to start somewhere. And the place it starts, that somewhere is in you, in your heart, in your life. And the way breakthrough starts in my heart is when I put my faith and trust on the altar of Almighty God, when I say to God, I have no king but you, I have no hope but you, I have no plan B, God, I have no other options but you, I'm betting it all on you, God, and God sees that, and God is pleased with that, and God sends his power. That's a sacrifice of praise. The fourth way we see a glimpse of what a sacrifice of praise looks like is I respond because I'm overwhelmed by grace. And there's another incredible story in the Gospel of Luke. This is chapter 7. And maybe you remember Jesus is reclining uh, at a party thrown by a Pharisee. And this woman of the night slips in. And at this place where Jesus is reclining, she kneels down at his feet. She takes an alabaster jar full of expensive perfume. And she snaps the neck of that jar. And she pours the perfume out on his feet. She sheds tears on his feet. And she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And she doesn't add it all up and say, well, you know, the Bible says I should give 10%, so I'll pour a little bit out now, and I'll come back next week, and I'll do a little bit more more then. She just says, no, I'm going to give it all, because I had no shot. I had no hope. I had no grace. I had no mercy. But this man has given me grace and mercy, and so I'm going to give him everything I have. She didn't think about it. She just took what was precious to her, and she poured it on his feet, moved by grace, mercy. And Jesus says, Luke 7, 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. I want to tell you something. As we go through breakthrough, this is what I believe. We could show a thousand videos of breakthrough stories, how God has changed lives of people here at Southlands. We could preach a hundred sermons about how generosity is the best way to live, how it leads to true freedom in our lives. We could have the coolest brochures and the most amazing graphics, but until you and I are moved by mercy and moved by God's grace, captured by that grace, we will never fully pour out a sacrifice of praise that moves the heart of God. Because the truth is this. When you see grace, you don't need a sermon or a story. You don't even need breakthrough. (laughs) You don't need anything. You, You just respond out of a heart that's full of all that God has given to you. I just want to let you know that we have had some 
of our leadership families, pastors, and elders, and others share their commitments ahead of time. And so today, I'd like to report to you uh, that already as we move toward next week, 10 families have committed to give $215,000 to our Breakthrough Spiritual Initiative. It's a sacrifice of praise. People are stepping out in faith. And God is calling all of us to participate in some way. Let me give you one more example of a sacrifice of praise. Number five, a sacrifice of praise happens when I worship until the walls fall down. So your breakthrough and whatever you're praying for and believing for in your life is most likely contingent on you not giving up, on you continuing to trust that your worship of the one true God can break down walls. Go back to Joshua 6. And I can only imagine how foolish it looked to the people of Jericho to see God's people walking around this fortified city and the preachers, the priests, you know, the religious guys, they're out in front and the Ark of the Covenant's behind them and the ar army's marching behind them and they do a lap around the city and then they go back to their camp and then they come back the next day. They do it all a second time. And don't you know by the third day, they are getting heckled royally from on top of those walls of Jericho. I mean, those people in Jericho who had the spiritual gift of snark, they're coming out, right? You know, hey, here come the Israelites, day three. Yes, the priests are again in the lead. Look, the Ark of the Covenant is rounding the north corner uh, of, of the city just now. Hey, how's it going down there, people? And the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, it just looks crazy. I mean, you've got to know there were some Israelite people that were in their tents during this time saying, I'm not going out there today. This is stupid. I don't know what we're doing. It's like we're not doing anything. Those walls just look bigger and bigger every day we go around them. How many of you think that one time, at least during those six days, you would have been the person saying something like that in your tent? Very few truthful people in the room right now. <laughs> you see, there was a promise. And on the seventh day, on the seventh lap, when God gave the command and the trumpet was blown and the people raised a shout, God moved. God moved. And you see, we see a picture here of the beauty and the power that is ours in worship. Not that we see God move and then we worship him, but we believe that as we worship him, he moves because we are honoring him. And so many times we're just waiting, waiting for God to do something. God, do something, and then I'll worship you. And God is saying, no, no, don't stop worshiping because it is as you are worshiping, it is as you are trusting, it is as you are making the sacrifice of praise that I move and I act. And so often we get all caught up and what's happening around us, the why and what happened, and where are you, God, and what's going on, God, and I don't get this, God, and why are we out here, God, and how long is this going to take, God, and we thought you would have worked by now, God, and, and God just says you need to hang in there and believe. Don't stop proclaiming my name into the storm, into the circumstance, up against whatever walls you're facing. Don't stop proclaiming that you believe in a great God. And I want to tell you today, I'm not offering a formula. I'm not saying if you do this a certain number of days that God's going to do a certain thing in response. God works in different ways with different people in different circumstances. But I am saying that there is something so 
very powerful about living out the reality of God's word that tells us that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. There is something powerful in living the reality that if God is for us, who can be against us? There is something so life-changing about living out of the reality that if God did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you believe that? There is something so powerful in trusting and acting on the reality that nothing, say nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we need to live in such a way that I don't have to see God or understand the way God is at working to believe God, to know that he is working. I'm telling you today, if you want to live a life of breakthrough, if you want to truly grow in Christ, if you want to see God move in your life, then let God shift your thinking. Let God renew your mind to this one concept that no matter what I see with my eyes, my physical eyes, God is at work and God is working out his plan. That no matter what I can understand about the circumstance, God is doing something and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be for my good. God is never doing something bad for me. God is always working for my good. And here's the reason I know that. Do you want to know the reason I know that? I'm going to tell you anyway. The reason I know that is Calvary. God gave his son. God gave us his son. And friends, if God gave us his son, I just want to ask you, what else does he need to do for you? What else does he need to do? What else does he need to do to receive your full devotion? To receive your faith? To receive from you a sacrifice of praise? A sacrifice of praise. This, this next Sunday, <laughs> I just want to let you know, and I hope that you will be here, that we're going to unashamedly be asking for us as individuals and as a church family, to make sacrifice. And it's going to mean different things for every single one of us. What it is going to mean for you, honestly, it's up to the Holy Spirit. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and I hope that you will listen to him. And I pray, I pray that you won't just make a decision on your own. You need to understand, this is not just a season in our church family. What we're talking about during these weeks together is expressing something that should be true about us all the time. You know, in the final analysis, I can say this in truth, that, that breakthrough is not about fundraising. Breakthrough is about faith raising. Breakthrough is about discipleship. It's an exercise for all of us in stretching our faith and deepening our trust in God. And so that's why when you come next Sunday, we're asking for everyone to take part, wherever you are, to, to participate and to make a commitment to be part of what God is doing we're asking for every one of us to sacrifice. You know, many of us, here's the truth, are going to make commitments to give money that we do not have now. And we do not know where it's going to be coming from. And you may not be able to afford what God is 
calling you to do right now, but God is going to call you to trust him, and you're going to make that choice. Some of you are going to choose to trust him. You're going to believe that God keeps his promises. You're going to believe that God rewards faith. You're going to believe that Jesus was right when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And through us, as we offer sacrifices of praise, as we trust God to do in our lives what he promises to do, as we obey whatever he tells us to do, <laughs> you need to understand, we're going to be joining God in his work. We're going to be joining God in his mission of changing the eternal destinies of men and women, of boys and girls, and some of them live around us right now. But here's the reality. Do you understand this, that as we invest in God's kingdom, as we respond to God, that we're probably never going to know the full extent of what our generosity does. It's going to take into eternity before we get to understand why. God will probably explain it to us one day. But there are people here, let me just put it this way. Some of you have come to know Jesus in the context of this family of faith. And if God could show us, show us the inner workings of everything that's gone on before, there are people probably living two generations ago. And they made a sacrifice of faith, and God used that, and you came to know him. And in the same way that that happens, some of us are going to trust God and share generously out of what God has blessed us with today. And there are some children yet to be born, and they're going to come to know Jesus one day, and their family's going to be forever different one day because you obeyed God, you trusted God, and you offered up to God a sacrifice of praise. Don't you want to be part of the work of God? Don't you want to join him in all he's doing? This is what breakthrough is about. And true breakthrough always calls you and me to sacrifice. Would you bow your heads as we pray together?